Hello and welcome to the Property Management Show. I'm your host, Alex Osinenko. My day job is the CEO of 4.5, a marketing company that works exclusively with fee-based property management companies. I spent the last seven years of my life helping property management companies become more successful by improving sales, marketing, and operational efficiency. On this show, we'll deconstruct success into its key components and invite subject matter experts to help you improve every facet of your business. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy the show. Hey guys, I have a great honor today to welcome uh, someone really special to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Jason Goldberg. He is a life coach, international best-selling author, speaker, and uh, just a very inspirational, good human being. Jason, how are you? I am doing incredible, Alex. Thank you so much for having me on the show, dude. Oh, that's, that's pretty awesome. So I have your book here, Prison Break. Um, on my desk, and we don't have a visual for this show, but I will be going through the book and asking you a few questions. But just let me set the stage here. So, you know, I'll use our time today to get some deep wisdom um, from Jason and, you know, in in a fun um, and kind of uh, uh, non-pressure environment, so to speak, in conversation, but also have a little bit of a selfish purpose here. And here's my purpose, Jason. Um, For the last six months or so, um, I've been kind of, not kind of, I've been looking for a business and p- potentially a personal coach to help me and my team elevate to the next level. And we've been kind of back and forth on this. I really have never done a coach interview. So I'm hoping to use this as kind of a, a personal coach interview, a discovery mission, a path. So some, some of the business owners that are in my shoes right now, they're, they're looking to kind of continue growing and, and for they need inspirational leadership from from a coach or, or someone like that, uh, hopefully this will be a, a helpful tool for them to know how to talk to, you know, prospective coaches. How does that sound, Jason? Yeah, I love that. I mean, the, the, the only thing that I care about doing in life, whether I'm being paid for it or it's free, is being of service, man. So we are going to do everything possible to just create an intense and massive and wonderful service for you and your listeners. Hey, that's awesome. So yeah, speaking of service, that's that's kind of, I'm defining that as a kind of purpose of, of, of life almost is being of service is just such an immense satisfaction when you uh, serve somebody and not yourself, isn't it? Yeah. Well, and, and the thing is, is that serving others is the most selfish thing we can ever do in the world. So anybody that tells you they serve out of the goodness of their heart, they're lying. I mean, we, we can't help but feel good about ourselves when we help others. And that's beautiful. There, there's nothing wrong with the egoic side of contribution. If you can contribute and have a ripple effect in making the world even 5% better and that makes you feel good in the process, that's incredible. That's, that's, the, that's, the, best, that's the best universal math equation in the world. Mm. Love it. Okay, so the way I have the interview laid out, I have like pages of notes and such, so you guys hear me uh, shuffling through my stuff. Don't you know? Uh, don't mind. I hope you don't mind that. And I have a book as well. So I have a few questions prepared for you personally. Like I really wanted to know the answers to these, and we can explore the answers. They don't need to be right or wrong. They just need to be your answers. I'm looking. Yeah. I'm looking to get some wisdom out of what your thought process is, and also then we get in the book and ask some concepts that I feel will help property management entrepreneurs tremendously and any kind of entrepreneurs, to be honest with you. And I have some rapid fire questions. I just want to learn more about Jason. So I have like rapid fire questions that I'll squeeze here and there that basically a quick, you know, 15 second yes or no. Is that cool? Uh, yeah, it all sounds incredible. I, I, I love the creativity you've already put into this, man. So we're going to have fun. Hey, man, I, I respect your time and I want to make the most out of it. So let's go with the first question. All right. So it's... um. You know, you've coached a lot of people. You have this, uh, you have this element of knowledge uh, that you've looked inside people's brains in terms of like their problems, difficulties, and you were able to elevate and solve them. But I really want to know how do you help business owners specifically, Jason, to find what they want? It's it seems to be uh, like an evasive thing. It's very hard. Like I don't even know what I want. What do I want? I don't know. How do you help people do that? <laughs> Yeah, I love that. Well, you know, especially for business owners, it's funny, you know, trying to answer the question what you want, uh, it, it becomes like this intellectual exercise, right? It becomes one more thing to do on the to-do list. And and one of the things that's been my biggest work in the world, and, and if you if you watch any videos by me or you talk to me or you hear me speak, I, I talk fast, I think fast, I move fast, like I'm a fast person. And one of the biggest transformations in my life was to slow the hell down. 
And, and it doesn't mean slow down. Like you don't still work hard and you don't still hustle and you don't still do a lot of stuff. I, I still do a lot of stuff, but what I do differently now is that I don't allow the outside chaos of the world to impact the inside chaos of my mind. And, and so when you ask a question like, what do I want? Um, if it's being, if you're trying to answer it from, from the headspace of, I better figure this out. I got to figure out my purpose. I got to figure out my passion. If I don't figure this out, I'm going to be screwed or, you know, any, anything that's pressure filled and heavy and serious, it's just not going to come. It, it, it just, it doesn't come. But when you, when you settle, when you slow down your thought process and, and the, the way mentally I like to visualize it, and I'm closing my eyes now to visualize it. And I would invite you and anybody listening to do the same thing. Even if it feels kind of, you know, woo woo and, and over the top I'm gay. is Let's do it. cool. Cool. So, so picture a snow globe, right? Like a snow globe, you know, it has like a base and it has the glass and it has like a little, you know, little people or a little something inside. And then it has all this, you know, fake snow and, and liquid. And when you shook, you know, when you shake up the snow globe, you know, for us looking from the outside and it's beautiful, there's, you know, white snow flying everywhere and it's beautiful and it's kind of all in flow and it's moving. But if you think about that from the inside looking out, if you were inside that snow globe, you would be freaking the hell out because you can't see, you can't see a foot in front of you, there's snow flurrying everywhere, all you want is for the snow to slow down. And what we're doing is we're in this place of being inside the snow globe, the snow is going crazy, which is really our thoughts and all of our to-dos and all the things we think we need to do. And in that place, we're trying to answer the question, what is it that I really want? No. You, you can't see any possibilities to even begin to answer the question of what I want until things start settling. And, and with a snow globe, it's such a beautiful design and it's the way our mind works naturally without us doing anything is that the way to calm down a snow globe and to have all the snow calm back down to the surface is, is to do what, Alex? How would, you, how would you have a snow globe have all the snow go back to the surface? Mm. Um. Well, slowing down is one thing. Meditation, that was my, one of my rapid fire questions. You know, do you meditate? And I, I didn't really find that in your book specifically, but you talked about closing your eyes and kind of letting the creativity flow and things like that, relaxation techniques. But I guess, yeah. I guess slowing down is the answer. But what is, what is how, how do you do it? Right. So, so, so in that example of the snow globe, the way that you have the snow settle down is you put the damn snow globe down and you step away. Right. There's nothing you have to do. If you put the snow globe down, the natural state of the snow globe when it's not being agitated and shooken up is to be calm. And once everything is calm and once the, the snow settles back down to the ground, now you're back to being inside of this big glass globe where you can see as far as you want. You can look out in every direction and see all these possibilities. So, so, so what I advise people to do when they're saying, what do I want, is not to try to answer the, the question from a place of franticness and, and chaoticness, but to really look inside, to allow yourself to just settle, sit in your chair get comfortable, allow your, your body to really kind of get weighted in the chair. Sure, you can meditate, you can do, and we can talk more about meditation because I do have a meditation practice, but once you really settle in, then we can start using the tools to figure out what it is you want. But you have to come, you have to be looking at it through a different lens than most of us typically look through it uh, when we're trying to answer that question. D does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So, but you have to be purposeful in terms of looking for that answer, right? It doesn't, so, because, Putting things down um, sounds like you know can potentially be things be, be ignored because I you know, I haven't really deeply looked into that question necessarily, you know, from my own point of view, um, and 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 you know, it seems like I was you know I'm not even I'm walking by the globe and not not really paying attention. Yeah, well, you think you're walking by the globe, but you're if you have a lot going on and you're a business owner like many business owners are, including myself. Some listen, I'm I'm not the guru, so it's funny when you talk about extracting wisdom from me. Anything I know is from screwing up. It's not because I'm better than anybody else, and, and it's things that I still experience. So so you, you know you may think you're walking by the snow globe, but at any given time when there's kind of franticness and you feel that kind of tightness in your chest, or you're like, oh my god, how am I going to get it all done? Or oh my, you know, my idiot employee, or this idiot tenant, or this idiot whatever, you know, these people outside of you that just if they would just do things a little more like you, things would be better. We all have that, you know, that thought and that feeling sometimes when that happens, we're in this chaotic mind space. And so it's really important for us to slow down. And once you do that, once you slow down, there's a lot of ways to figure out what it is you want. And they're completely unique and, 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 and tailored to each person who would need it. So, 
you know, you may sit down and ask yourself my favorite things to do. And, and I've done this so many times in the course of my own business and also with other business owners is to sit down and ask what would your ideal look like, right? If you could wave a magic wand, what would your ideal day look like? And, and I mean, literally like from in the morning to what your morning routine is, to how much time you spend with your family, to the time that you have for exercise or reading or any other morning rituals, to the time you spend with certain members in your team, developing them, developing yourself, to the time you're out in the world talking about your business and your services and seeing how you can be of deeper service to the time that you go home and what kinds of meals you're eating and what time you're going to bed, really mapping out what that day looks like. And it's a very average day. This is not like some amazing day, just what an average day would look like. And, and while that's a great first exercise, the real juice, the real benefit, the real thing that transforms business owners is to look at something like that and ask themselves, who would I need to be to have that be my average day? Who would I need to be? What parts of me from the inside out would I need to cultivate? Would I need to choose to call upon inside myself to make that happen? Is, is it more courage? Is it more creativity? Is it more consciousness? Is it more compassion? Is it more empathy? Is it more space? Is it more presence? Everybody knows what it is that's holding them back from being where they are now and being where they want to be. Uh, that's, that's something that everybody knows. They just don't typically give themselves enough time and space to see that for themselves. Hmm. Make very good points. One of the most influential people in my life, uh, called Albert Oten, he's uh, used to be a VP at a company I worked for. Um, he is he was amazing at this one concept, which is, you know, he always asked, "What does success look like?" in in just hmm. about everything, and and instead of kind of engineering things as as they go, you know, engineering relationship, engineering, you know, business deals, whatever. He actually visualized and he helped me learn that practice, visualize what the success look like and then work backwards to achieve that particular, you know, state of success for this particular issue in case. Does that sound some similar like you plan your day, um, you, you visualize your ideal day, you write it down and then you kind of strive towards it. Yeah, and and, that, and that's great, and that's kind of doing. But there's there's two parts to to any level of success in my mind, and it's the being and the doing. And and we do ourselves a disservice when we focus only on the doing, right? I, I had I was talking to a large, a Fortune 100 company about coming in to speak for their people, and and they do a lot of work with small businesses. They're they're an, an enormous company, and and so they to come in at one of their small business uh, conferences. And they said, yeah, we were thinking about, uh, we would have, you know, the first half of the day would be people who are coming in and talking about strategies and practices for growing your business and social media and for hiring talent and for talent retention, all these, you know, more strategic, the doing in, in, in my, my definition, the doing, or the strategy, the practices. And then we want to have you come in in the afternoon and kind of talk about self-leadership and the whole prison break thing and all this. And I said, I think that's awesome. And I have the perfect name for my session. And they said, okay, what would it be? I said, the name of my session would be why what you learned the first half of the day will never work for you. <laughs> and and she, she said, well, well, no, 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 we don't want to do that because now we're saying that that stuff was worthless. And I say, no, it's not worthless. But if you don't focus on who you're being in the moment, if you don't focus on your own level of commitment, your own level of sincerity, your own level of calmness, your own level of creativity, your own level of connection with other people, if you don't focus on that stuff first, the best strategies in the world will do nothing to grow your business. And even if they do grow your business, it will be done with such force and, and such heaviness and such stress that you'll never enjoy it and you'll just resent your own success. Mm. Fair enough. Okay, so I think we've, we, we've, we've gotten that uh, um that that point pretty well covered now let's let me let me ask you this the rapid fire question i have it, it's it's okay. kind of silly um how often do you get your hair cut oh god man i wish it was more often it's usually every eh, two to three weeks but here's my secret weapon my wife will will like trim up the back of my neck you know if it starts getting a little hairy in the hendersons and she'll also uh, she'll also trim up my hard part so anybody who you know goes and looks me up or watches my videos you'll see i have like i literally have a shaved part in my head and so my wife will kind of touch that up in between but usually it's two to three weeks yeah man because you always look sharp in your in your facebook lives and i imagine you travel a lot so i'm like and i do travel a lot as well and I and is it is it is it is it kind of normal for me? I feel I feel kind of bad between haircuts. I don't know. I don't have a like I'm between haircuts right now, and I, I'm not. I, I don't feel great. Well, you know, it's funny you say that. You know, you said it's silly, but it's really not that silly. So a, a dear friend of mine, a guy named Sean Stevenson, who if you haven't heard of him, look him up. He's incredible. Uh, just has amazing like viral videos, and he's spoken on stage with Dalai Lama and Tony Robbins, and, and he's a dear friend of mine. And and he has this practice. Uh, that he calls a when life works list. 
right? So it's a list and life works. And he has a list of like 14, 15, 20 things on it that when he's doing those things, his life just works. And, and so I would invite everybody to sit down and ask themselves, when your life is working, what kinds of things are you doing or what kinds of things are going on in your world or what kinds of things are you practicing on a regular basis? And the great thing is you can have 20 things in the list, but as long as you are doing like two or three or four of those in any given day, your life just works. And so it's funny that you say that because one of the things on my when life works list is to have a fresh haircut. So I know that when I have a fresh haircut, my life seems to work better. Isn't that interesting? Uh, when life works, I'm just writing this down. When likes life works list. That is yeah. That is pretty interesting stuff. Okay, okay. That's nothing, nothing that I do every day. I just kind of you know, blunder through it and do do my <laughs> best to help everyone around me and and uh, not go insane. Okay, so so haircut. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and go into something more in depth. And this is. Uh, to, uh, this is my personal. Uh, uh, I'm going to be really curious on what, how you're going to address this and what you're going to teach here. So, you know, as business owners, we need to tell good stories. I mean, it's it's podcasting, it's your blogs, it's it's just the, when you talk to associates and and employees, you, you gotta know how to be a good storyteller. So, you personally, okay, Jason, you go out on Facebook Live sessions, these rants uh, or, or sessions, you know, whatever, and yep. then you actually. <laughs> You actually surprised me with the depth of these everyday life situations that you convert into kind of these life lessons, so to speak, and how to think, how to kind of shift your mind to perceive life differently and, and more, you know, and, 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 and kind of get lessons out of it, get, get, get learning out of it. So, you know, I personally read uh, when I was about 17 or 18 years old, I used to be a pretty good storyteller. It was just a natural thing for me. And then I read Dale Carnegie's, you know, how to influence people. Somebody gave it for my birthday. It was, it transformed my life. Uh, I mean, I, it made me who I am today. However, I thought I, and I'm not realizing this, I'll overcorrect it. And I stopped being interesting. I was looking for other people to be interesting. And I still am. Mm. How, how do you, how do you practice storytelling? Well, give me some wisdom here. Yeah, I love, I love that you picked up on that. And, and something is one of my favorite things. I think it is one of the things that, that business owners, especially in this age where social media has completely removed all geographic barriers and, and honestly, connection, right? Connection to people, intimacy with people is the new currency. I don't care what business you're in. I don't care if it's property management or a yogurt shop. The way to really connect with people, the, your real currency in the world right now is not your advertising budget. And it's not, it's not how, how wide your reach is physically, you know, proximity wise in your market or, or how you've dominated your local market. It's about how you can really, truly, intimately connect to people uh, online. And so storytelling has been a huge part of that for me. And, and it's something that I think all entrepreneurs could do well to, to learn whether they're going for investment money uh, or they're just trying to share their message with the world. And so for me, it, it's, it's funny you say that because for me, it's really like I, I am on the lookout constantly for how little completely unrelated or, or seemingly unrelated instances that happen in my life are actually indicative or are actually clues that are pointing me to some place where I need to grow. And so when I can find that for myself, uh, then I know that it's, it's, it's not only me. Like I'm not special in that sense. Anything that I'm struggling with, there are probably tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands or millions of people that are struggling with the same thing. So if we can be really intentional about looking through our day, getting ready to, to, to put together a course that I'm going to be calling nothing to something. And it's really about creating content like long-term content, social media and for storytelling that just comes from everyday stuff that you don't have to be some master storyteller. You don't have to be Tony Robbins. You don't have to go to any special school to learn this stuff that if we can really just be intentional and say, this is what's happened to me today. Where's the lesson? Like, where's the takeaway role in the store? And if you get even a small nugget, you know, we have this belief that everything we share with the world has to be revolutionary. It doesn't. There's too much pressure in that. If you tell a story that is evolutionary, right? If I believe one thing and then after I talk to you, I have my belief shifted by even one person. That is evolutionary. That helps me to evolve. And that's far more easy basis and trying to share the greatest story in the world that's going to revolutionize everything that everybody's ever thought. Screw that. Like, slow down, see where they're going people's beliefs or consciousness or joy or whatever by 5% and you have more customers than you know what to do with. So there was another, there's another rant for you. There, there was a rant. <laughs> 
Hey, Alex, you there? Sorry, I had myself on mute. Um, I oh, feel no. I, I feel like we have um, um, we have customers who who who, who can't um, who can't get away from a perception of perfection. Like they, if we ask them to film videos and and, and help them get their story out, they they don't feel comfortable. They feel very very kind of a um, you know, even it's like I've been in business for ten years. I know, I know all this stuff, but I just can't deliver. What, how, how do you convince? What do you? What do? We, how do we get better at, at helping people go beyond this barrier? Yeah, I love that question, and it, it's so simple. And and believe me, it's something that I struggled with in the beginning. And you know, speaking is the number one fear. Public speaking is the number one fear of you know of everybody in the world. And and as much as I love performing, and I had a, you know kind of a music background, and so I love being on stage. It didn't mean that I didn't get nervous. Hell, I get nervous before every time I go on stage or every time I do a video. It's just a natural human experience. I just know now that it's pointing me towards something that I really care about, and that's why I'm feeling that nervous, anxious energy. But but I think the key to overcome that. It's so, so simple. It's the smallest, tiniest, most minute, seemingly insignificant mind shift. And that's why I said the, the being has to come before the doing. I can give you tons of things about, you know, stand in the mirror and stand in a power pose and, and, you know, record yourself pretending like you're talking to a friend and like all these strategies and practices can work fine, but the being is what's really important. And so the shift that I'll tell you that I'll share with you and that I'll invite everybody listening to consider, you feel like this sense of professionalism or, or they're resistant to be on camera is that you are need to shift from a place of ego to a place of service. Mm. It's that simple to go from a place of ego to a place of service. Because if you tell me I'm afraid to be on camera, I'm afraid to share my message. And I tell you, Alex, is a young woman is going to be watching this. The only person that's going to be watching this. And she has two weeks to live and she has terminal cancer. And all she wants to do is see somebody that really enjoys something they care about on camera. She doesn't care about the content. She's not a business owner. She's not going to buy anything from you. She just really, just for a few minutes, wants to feel some sense of relief by watching somebody else really enjoy what they're doing in life. Can you please help her with that? And in that moment, you're like, oh God, I mean, yeah, that's all she wants. She just wants to see somebody on video sharing what they care about for a couple. Yeah, I mean, of course. Why wouldn't I do that to help somebody who's going to die in two weeks? And it's right there. That's that shift from it's all about me to it's all about them. And as soon as we make that small shift from ego to service, all that resistance can melt away and we can just show up and, and allow whatever shows up to show up. Man, that's uh, that that itself. I could just press pause and go and uh... – talk to um, my team because we do have this this issue and I, I think it's 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 quite incredible to put in this perspective to be honest with you I've never thought about it, it ego it, it is you, you you're afraid to be judged but it's it, it comes down to yourself be caring too much about your own self rather than you know giving out information into the world and helping others <laughs> this is absolutely man, this is fantastic so rapid fire question yeah um if you own a Chinese restaurant, okay, and a competitor next door, literally next door, lowers their prices by 30%, she wants to squeeze you out, what is your move, Jason? Cool. So so if I had a Chinese restaurant and a competitor next door decided to lower their prices, um, that's, that's actually awesome, right? Because now they've created uh, the ability for me to really uh, create a distinction of my, my restaurant over theirs. So I don't want to compete on price. Uh, even if I was able to do that successfully, it's not sustainable. Uh, and you guys all know that the race to the bottom is, is not something that's sustainable. You become a commodity and, and who really invests in a commodity. So what I want to do is, is I want to up the service level and I want to up the experience level and I want to have people talking about my restaurant so much that these people next door could be giving away the food for free and people still aren't going to go there. So there are tons of different ways I could do that. And, and, and the biggest thing to do is to make sure you're bringing creativity to this, this, this exercise, right? You can look at other, other companies and see what they've done to stand out. But the key is to really see how can I create an experience. And the first thing that came to mind when you asked the question is that I want to maybe create uh, some level of exclusivity, Right. I want people to really feel special when they come in my restaurant. I don't want them to necessarily think they can just stop by whenever they want and get a meal if I'm really trying to position myself as a as a premier premium type of restaurant. So what I may do right away is remove half of the seats from my restaurant. 
And, and that sounds ridiculous, right? Like, why would I take away that much revenue or the right. potential for that much revenue? But as soon as I remove half the seats, now I've made it 50% more difficult for people to get a seat in my, my amazing restaurant. And the people that do get in are going to be so grateful they got in that then when I deliver, because you got to deliver, you can't have a crap product or a crap service. Let's assume you have an incredible product, an incredible service that people that work there treat these people like they are family and, and create an experience they will never forget. If you do that and create exclusivity by limiting the number of seats there and you can tell people every day, I'm sorry, we can't take you for another three days because we're booked out. We're sold out for the next three days. Word will get around how amazing you are. You can start adding back in five to 10 seats a week. And before you know it, you're selling out with a full restaurant and you never had to change your prices. Uh -huh. So go for scarcity, you know, make sure you deliver a great product and find creative ways to get the message out and actually deliver. Absolutely. But the key is you have to have an incredible product or service. These are not strategies or tactics. This is making it easy for people to experience just how good you are. And then there's the, there's a quote by Steve Martin when you know they interviewed Steve Martin at one point and asked him how he got so successful. And he said that he basically did the work and he, he got so good that people could not ignore him. And that's what we want to do in our businesses. We want to get so good that people can't ignore us. Mm. Very, very, very good. Um, okay, shifting gears to more of a book-related questions because there's like three concepts I wanted to explore with you a little bit more that I feel will be very helpful for our audience and myself. Um, awesome. One of them is gamification. Um, and and basically the question here, you know, I really like that section. I reread it about three times um, just to make sure I got the concepts and stuff. Um, how does it help and in, in how to do it for, for business owners. You know, we run serious businesses, you know, let's call it property management shop. You know, they have tenants that want to get good places to live. They have owners who need their money and manage. How do you, how do you in introduce gamification and make that work more fun? I love that. Yeah. And it, it is so funny. You said that you run a serious business. And so that would be, if I were your coach, the first thing I would do is question, what is a serious business and prove to me that the work you do is serious. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and, and I think you'd have a hard time doing that because unless somebody dies because of something that happens in property management, uh, which I'm sure could happen in extreme examples, there aren't many businesses on this planet that are serious. And it's our belief that they're serious that has us look through the lens of seriousness. And when you're a hammer, everything's a nail. So if you're looking through the lens of everything being serious, then everything is going to seem serious and then it's much more difficult to implement things like gamification. So, so the first thing to do is really allow yourself again to relax and, and to see the possibilities for how you could be having fun. It's like, you know, you don't have to do anything. I, and I go through this too. I, I went through this. I did an exercise just with myself last week where I was kind of, you know, not feeling I had some stuff I had to do and I was feeling like, Oh God, I don't want to do that. That's boring. And, and I'm making lists and like seeing like there are different strategies and techniques that I'll walk people through and myself through to, to kind of get into more of a self-leader place and I'm making this whole list out doing this one exercise and then I realize at the end like you know I don't have to do any of this I could stop all this and go get a job at Starbucks so I can either have fun with what I'm doing I can either find the enjoyment I can find the fun I can find the possibilities or I need to just stop complaining and go get a job somewhere else and it's not to beat myself up or threaten myself or make myself feel dumb, but it's really a sense of, of freedom and empowerment to say, wow, I, I'm choosing to do these things and I have the ability as one of the most creative beings that has ever existed on the planet. There's no other being that we know of on this planet or any other planet that has the level of creativity and imagination that, and intelligence that we have as human beings. If I can bring some more of that to what I'm working on, everything I'm doing can be more fun. So, so it's really about just finding the fun early on. And gamification comes into that because we love games. Like I don't have kids, but I have nieces and nephews. And if you tell a kid, go clean your room, they are going to pout and scream and cry. But all of a sudden when picking up your clothes becomes a basketball game to throw the clothes in the hamper, they're a lot more likely to want to have fun and do it with you. All of us love games from the time we're kids. We just stop playing games because somehow it's been conditioned in us that the workplace is serious and it's not a place for games. Or some people get into a thing where they say, you know, we bring Nerf guns into the office and that makes us fun. And that's great. That's fine. But you can play games around your work. 
So whatever the biggest challenges in your business, and, and I don't know what it is for you, I'm guessing there's there's probably things with, you know, in property management with tenant turnover and and maybe, you know, uh, the monetary things or them damaging properties or, or not passing background checks. I'm sure there's all kinds of logistical and, and, and legal stuff that comes into that. But if there's a way that you can find a way to to create some friendly competition, some games, no matter how absurd it is, you can create games around your biggest challenge and it immediately becomes more fun. Mm, very interesting. So by the way, just for, for full uh, uh, clarification, uh, four and a half, we do marketing for property management companies. We don't necessarily run uh, the properties, that, although our customers do. So for them, you know, it is, it is, it is, it, it's a fitting answer for ourselves as well. We, we manage people's growth. That is also very serious at the bottom. I mean, we got to deliver, right? We got to deliver. But, you know, I'm, I'm interested in talking to you more, um, at, you know, maybe later times on how to specifically gamify some of the, some of the, I don't know, processes, systems, some of the uh, uh, goals we have or something like that. That's, you know, I haven't spent enough time thinking about it. But when I read that section of your book, it is, it is, and I look back at my career and remember which jobs did I really enjoy? Why did I enjoy them? And a lot of it was, you know, when there was a friendly competition, when things were interesting, when, you know, a company was growing, it was always fun environment. When things stagnated, people were serious, you know, it just, it was never fun. It was just dreadful to come to work. Yeah. See, so you know, I mean, you know what that feels like. And, and the distinction in that chapter is, is, is game versus shame. Right. And so we try to motivate ourselves to fix things through shame. Right. We're saying, you know, let's, so 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 let's let's play with this. If you don't mind if you if we have a couple minutes. Yeah. Give me one of the biggest challenges that four and a half has and, and we'll see if we can game. Um, so one of the biggest challenges we have is the perceived, let's call it a perceived notion of work. So. In other words, if our customers don't see us doing anything, their presumption is we're not doing anything for them. So they will call us up and, and let's say, you know, within after, you know, we, we try to get, a, get on the phone with them to, to get to the next appointment, whatever the perfect client profile, whatever the next meeting is supposed to be to drive their marketing. You know, they didn't reply to this and that. And then all of a sudden they call back and says, their accountant says, okay, you're paying this $500 a month or $1,000 a month. What are you getting for it? And the business owner right away goes, okay, that is a lot of money. I haven't heard anything. You know, what are they doing? So they would call us up and say, okay, uh, what do you guys do for me? And that's, you know, that becomes, you know, as you grow, becomes quite intense in terms of number of calls you get. Um, how, that's, that's something that we struggle with. Let's call, let's call, that's one of the things that we have to kind of solve. How do you gamify that? Yeah, I, I love that. And so there, there's a lot that can go into that. There's uh, there, there's a lot of it. See, that to me seems like a, a, what I call a communications issue and an agreements versus expectations issue. So we, we, we probably won't have time to dive into the distinction between, you know, expectations and co-creations, as I call them. Um, but that would be one thing. But I get this. I get the out of sight, out of mind. I get the not having a physical deliverable. And so sometimes it's hard to justify the cost. And and so there's a lot of fun ways that you could gamify the the communication aspect of this. So the first thing that popped in my mind is this is what we want to make sure we do. And this is something that I think that almost, I'd say 99% and that may be exaggerating, but it may not be 99% of service providers miss an opportunity for one thing. And I'll tell you what it is. Every single correspondence that a client gets from you should raise their level of consciousness. It should raise their spirits. They should see an email from you in their inbox and be happy. Mm. And and that's something we don't slow down enough to think about. Before we send an email, ask, how is this going to make this person's day 5% better? It doesn't have to be a joke. I mean, it could be humor. It could be, and there are four elements to, to what I believe is, is the perfect correspondence. And as many of those four elements as you can have, uh, the better. And, and one of those is definitely humor. Um, one of them is value. One of them is possibilities. And one of them is curiosity. And, and so I don't know that we'll have time to dive into all those, but if you just, if you just would slow down before you send an email to a client and say, am I providing some kind of value in this email? Is it, is it humorous? Does it evoke curiosity? Does it give them real value? And does it help them see possibilities? And if it doesn't do any of those, don't send the email. I should get an email from four and a half. And when I see it in my email box, I should say, oh, cool. Alex emailed me. I wonder what he has to say. 
And so in this example where you're trying to have more, you know, maybe better communication and make them want to see your correspondence and you also want to make sure that they're aware of what it is you're doing when they're not in front of you, the first thing that popped in my mind is do you ever get holiday cards or holiday letters from people like friends and, and family that say this is what's happened over the past year. Little Johnny won his soccer tournament. Little Lisa started a cupcake business. Uh, you know, John's doing great in his business. Uh, I started a yoga studio. Like, have you ever gotten those letters before from people? I have. I have. Yes. Yeah. So, so that's fun, right? Because it's like a year in review and we get to kind of live vicariously through what's going on there. So what if, if you guys have, and I don't know your business structure, but like, let's say you have dedicated account managers. We do. What if, yeah. Okay. Perfect. So what if your dedicated account managers were to send correspondence through that lens? Like, let's tell you what's going on in our world. And let me tell you about the amazing work that we've been doing for you over the past two weeks or a month or three months or whatever you check in, whatever, whatever the, the correspondence frequency is. But what if you made that into something where there was something enjoyable about them receiving that email? Right. They don't just say, hey, uh, just checking in. Checking in is like the worst thing in the world. Don't stop check-ins. Like if you want to create better relationships with your with your customers, stop checking in. Nobody forgot about you. And if they forgot about you, that means you're not serving them enough. So stop checking in. Give them actual value when you send an email. So when you send an email, say, listen, here's what we've done over the past uh, three weeks for you. And I want to share an article about a new thing that we're researching as a company that I think could be really cool for you guys. I uh, just wanted to share it with you. And if you have any thoughts or any questions, let me know. And as we continue developing this, we'll keep you updated. Like just give them something of possibility or curiosity or value or humor. And they're never going to question again where that money's going. Okay, so that's good. Our next breakfast club, we do a weekly breakfast club where we on Mondays where we get together and and kind of a, a, a learn together about a concept or hear a podcast, discuss and stuff like that. So I think we should that should be our our next uh, breakfast club uh, meeting topic is to figure out how to use this concept to deliver additional value to our existing communications because you know and, and part of this we already addressed my challenge but our customers have the same challenge so the, the, you know the, the owners and tenants you know, they don't hear from them until something goes wrong right yeah <laughs> the tenant yeah. needs a pro you know has a problem the owner didn't get their check you know what very similar to my business is we are service providers where you know we do a lot on the background where there's there's a lot of work but we don't we don't necessarily have a good ways to communicate what we do and how we do it and keep our customers abreast of where we are and, and be preemptive in these situations. What you just said, uh, in putting a system together and really caring about the, the perception of your customers, being the account manager, having your own portfolio, you know, you, you should know your people by your first name, by their first names, right? And, and yep. caring enough for them to deliver this, this, this additional value in every communication will preempt, will preempt the problems and issues. And I think it will reduce them by, by a significant margin, right? Where you can stop saying the property management is a negative business and everybody all we get is complaints and focus on you know delivering you know the highest customer experience from your competitors and that's how you can you know remove you know half the chairs from your restaurant you know so to speak and and still uh, and still pack it and still grow and still make more money um, yeah so that I really like that that that, that explanation because we do struggle with this and you know no matter how relentless we are and I think the answer you gave me goes along with it because our challenge Jason a lot of times is to get to the filming appointment it filming blogs is 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 very important in our projects that we do for our clients this got the content sets the foundation for everything else we do you know from content we build ebooks it helps them convert on Google AdWords I mean it, they get found better on organically content is like such an essential piece a foundational piece of our service and we having trouble getting people to that stage of filming actually you know we've gone through a specific process preset meetings until we're ready for the for the actual filming and we, we sit on Skype just like you and I and we help them kind of we film them we, we direct the whole shoot all at once um, but I think the ego versus service answer you gave me before kind of solves this a little bit or at least helps us uh, add that value to those communications and, and help to shift their mind I'm sorry I'm going on the rent myself but I'm actually getting a lot out of this conversation. No, I, I love that. I think I think you're so clear. It doesn't sound like a rant at all. I mean, it sound, it really sounds like you're clear that that service is really the way to go. And and you know, one of the core tenets of my business and, and what I teach service providers also is a concept that I call client astonishment. 
and 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 client astonishment is great when you're out and and it's something that's not as foreign to people when they talk about you know creating clients i don't talk about finding clients or attracting clients or signing clients i talk about creating clients clients created by you going and, and being in front of them and actually being of service and, and transforming some part of their life and business and this is not just for coaches this is for anybody because obviously that's what you're doing if you have a business you are trying to transform somebody else's life or business no matter what you're you're providing and so if i so everybody taught a lot of people understand client astonishment on the front end, you know, oh, to get to get them in and to provide service and to to quote sign them and make them become a client. And then it just goes away. And so what I want to help people focus on more and what's been hugely beneficial to the companies I've worked with is to not just focus on client creation, but to focus on what I call client recreation. Right. So for for example, for your for your meeting that you're talking about where everybody comes together, the breakfast meeting, another and it just tremendously impactful thing you can do to grow your base and to grow your business, especially with your current clients, is to have a, a small session on client recreation. You put have every account manager put you know all their clients into a cup. Each of them, you know, put their clients into a cup or a glass and pull out one name and they focus on that day to figure out how they can astonish the hell out of that client, how to do something for them that they would have never seen coming. And when a human being, a, a creative, which I know you hire and, and employ very very creative and service-minded people. When a creative person really focuses, like I'm, I'm, do, I'm holding, like I'm pretending I'm holding a piece of paper in my hand right now. When you focus on one name and you really get in tune with, like this is a human being with a life and a family and a company and struggles and challenges and dreams and fears, and you say, how can I really astonish them today? You will come up with the most incredible ideas, and that person will be your client for life. Ah, oh, man, 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 this is gold. Property managers, you hear this? This is, you know, this is exactly my business is based on my customer's business. We have very similar uh, challenges, very similar businesses. That's why I'm comfortable you to use in this stage uh, for my own, you know, to, to solve my own problems, so to speak, or address my own problems because they're so similar because property management business operates in a very similar way. They have a, a property managers who are responsible for, for portfolio of clients. And that exactly same concept works really well. I like that. I'm actually going to use it and, 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 and find out how it works. So um, that, that's good. Let's shift gears to a couple of rapid fire questions. Um, good. Let's do it. Do you have about another 15, 20 minutes? I got all the time in the world for you, man. My man, my man. All right, so question number one. What is the least manly thing you do on a regular basis? <laughs> oh, God. I, all I do is non-manly things. I don't watch sports. I like fashion. Like, I, I swear, like, I, I'm married to a woman, but it's, it's, it's a better question to ask me what's the most manly thing I do. Uh, the, least, the least manly thing I do is probably – uh, going online and shopping for socks. I, I think you know this about me. I'm a huge sock person. I love just funky, crazy socks. So maybe that's maybe that's the most or the least manly thing I do. Mm. And socks, interesting. Socks is an interesting. I, I don't want to get too much too far uh, on a tangent here, but you know, it's kind of a it, it's it's it, it's it's a little bit selfish. I mean, you know, hardly people don't really see your socks. I mean, right? I mean, it's just you. <laughs> Right. I mean, what's the concept there? I mean, give me so I've never really been fascinated with socks. Tell me more. Yeah. Well, I love it because I, I'm into fashion and I feel like as men, we don't have as many options as women. Women can do a lot of things with accessories and all that stuff. And, and dudes, we just don't have that. So for me, the socks are cool because I can coordinate socks with with shirts or, or with pocket squares or with ties or just my mood for the day or whatever's going on. It's fun for me. And anytime I do, you know, cross my legs, I can't tell you how many times people on planes have started talking to me because they see my socks because I have my leg crossed, you know, in, in the seat. And I've had so many conversations come out of that. And it's become something where, again, when we talk about client astonishment, I took the thing that I love, one of the things I love the most, which is socks, and I used that to astonish a client. There was a client of mine who really wanted to be more bold and courageous in her job. She worked in a bank. And she was in a leadership position and she felt like she wasn't being bold enough and courageous enough in her leadership. And I happened to find a pair of socks. One of the socks said bold and one of the socks said courageous. And, and she knew that I was a big sock person. So when I bought those socks and surprised and sent them to her, A, she wasn't surprised at all that I, that I did it because it was socks. So she was like, okay, well, that's your thing, of course. B, she was astonished that I thought of her enough to, to think about her, to find these socks and to send them to, send them to her. And then C, it turned into a game. We did gamification because I said, listen, I didn't just buy these socks for you for fun. Now your challenge is you have to wear these socks at least once a week for the next month and you have to show them to at least two people at the office each time you wear them. 
And so now she had to step into the fun of being bold and courageous by showing off these bright green and orange socks that said bold and courageous on them. And not only did it create more connection with her employees where they saw her as somebody who was more fun because she had been kind of uptight before, but she immediately felt like she was being more of her bold, courageous self by stepping out of her comfort zone and doing those things. Mm, Interesting. What kind of car do you drive? I drive a 2016 Kia Optima. It is my second Kia. I friggin' love it. Yeah, I was going to say my next question was why, but I guess is it a transportation or does a car have any other meaning to you? You know, I, I've always been a huge fan of cars, and this is the first, like, my last car was, like, a Chrysler 300C, and I was big into Japanese imports when I was growing up and, like, souping those up, so DSM, so all Mitsubishi Eclipses yeah. and Eagle Talons. I, uh, uh, I, I had a 3000 GT VR4, the twin Tobro all-wheel drive. Like, I was so into that stuff. And it is, it is a thing for me. Like, I really like comfort. I love technology, so the Kia has a lot of technology. And it, it just it feels good. It's like I'm in the car a lot, and I, I really enjoy having that comfort level. Yeah, so are you in your mid uh, to late 30s, so to speak? I am. Yeah, I'm 36. Yeah, I'm 37. So I'm the same way. I grew up with the JDM uh, scene. My brother was uh, DSM. He had a DSM shop, and uh, I have posters of 3000 GT VR4. I almost bought it as my car, but I have two kids, so I had to settle for the M3, which is also an incredible car, but it has four doors. So I'm Um. I'm totally into cars, so that's what I was going to ask. That's... uh, to me, that's 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 less of a status symbol, although there's some of that. Um, but it, it's, I get in every day. This is for me on, on my when, when, what life works, you know, when life works list. I have yeah. to drive a stick shift car that I love, even though it's a three mile commute. <laughs> no, nice. no, I love that. But you're so clear on that, and I love the M3. I've always been a huge fan of the whole M series. Those are those are amazing cars. It's just it's just great. Yeah, and. Um, so, all right, uh, let's get let's get to uh, one more. I have three more book questions, but let's get one more and then see where we go from there. Sure. Um, I have to at least address this one here um, about the game-winning shots. Um, you mm-hmm. talked about an interview you had with the for a speaking opportunity, and how instead of kind of uh, focusing on closing the deal, being like super, you know, super intense and selling the value of Jason. And, and getting you just kind of you, you took this opportunity to to kind of shift your mindset and you talked about being you know, relaxed and, and working on building relationship instead instead of an, instead of a closing the sale on this one phone call um, my, my question is how, how do you like if you're a professional salesperson Jason like you do this every day I mean you, you get a phone call you know you got to close the business you have quota how do you c- apply this concept of not every shot is a game-winning shot to a daily sales routine yeah it's a great question and, and there's there's two there's two things that come up for me when you say that so first and foremost it's a top-down thing right and so the, the conditioning right now in especially in sales in a lot of industries and, and my back before I got into before I became an entrepreneur and I had a few different entrepreneurial endeavors that had nothing to do with speaking or coaching or personal development uh, before I got into it but I spent almost 15 years in IT and, and did a lot of work with telecom and the telecom industry is very very challenging it's all a race to the bottom it's all who can you know provide more bandwidth for cheaper prices and and it was and, and the the stress and the pressure they put on their salespeople to learn a complex technology and then to go out and sell something that would be a reoccurring revenue stream that could be in the thousands or tens of thousands of dollars per month, hundreds of thousands of dollars per year, millions of dollars over the course of a contract, uh, and, and, they, and they have to close this deal super quickly, um, I don't understand that. And, and, and the reason I say that is because when I first became an entrepreneur, I hated sales. And, and just so you know, I, I'm tra- I told you I was traveling. There's a train going by, so I hope it's not too loud. Um, I hated sales when I first got into being an entrepreneur. I despised it. And through doing my own work and kind of, again, slowing down and asking myself, like, well, what's really going on here? Like, what do I really hate? I realized I didn't hate sales. I hated rushing relationships. Uh-huh. Okay. I hate and I didn't say Russian relationships. Russian people are wonderful. <laughs> I, 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 I hated rushing relationships. And so I think that that's my first answer is that's a top down issue. And I think that if, if we had uh, sales leaders and it's actually I know it's even above the sales leaders pay grade. If we had people in leadership or C-level or whatever level positions saying our goal is to go out and be of service to find ways to astonish people every single day, even if it means doing things for them that are not on the PDF sheet of the services and products we provide we will eventually have all the clients that we need. But instead, 
what's rewarded is, you know, is, is the quarterly returns or the monthly returns or the quotas or the conversions or all these things that are great to measure. I'm not saying don't measure. I'm not saying fly by the seat of your pants. What, you know, it's very important to measure because you got to know what's working and what's not. But my goal is to focus on conversation instead of conversion. Right. And this is actually a, a, a distinction that a good friend of mine brought up to me is conversation over conversion. And the more we can be a deep conversation with people and see how we can really serve them. When we go into the conversation saying, I don't know if I can help you. I have no clue if I can help you. I need to learn so much about you to know if I can help you. That's the way I want to approach it. The I don't know mind instead of the I'm absolutely certain and I have to close you mind. So 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 one side is it's a conditioning corporate culture thing that I, I think desperately needs to be changed. But on the other side of it, even if you are in one of those places where there are, you know, expectations and quotas, just by going into conversations with people, with prospects from a more relaxed place, you're more apt to see opportunities to serve. You're more apt to hear what's going on between the words they say. You're more apt to get creative when they say no, to recognize that them saying no is them giving you a huge neon sign of a clue as to what would make it a yes, right? It's to see how the things they're telling you are not going to work are pointing you directly to what they really hoped you would do to make it work. And if you can be in this relaxed, creative place, you may see opportunities that will allow you to close the deal faster, but it's not coming from this place of scarcity where I have to close the deal now. I have to convince them because that doesn't usually work for client retention or for long-term success anyways. Mm. Very interesting. So my career path, I mean, I was a salesperson, uh, you know, software sales. Well, initially worked at Radio Shack and did gadget sales and then resistor sales, then software sales. And then and then eventually, uh, um, you know, as a sales person, you know, I started my company, did all the sales for the first couple of years. And then eventually, you know, now I'm at the CEO level and the the concept that I, I was never a slick talker, you know, English is my second language. I don't speak that well. I mean, I'd speak okay, but enough, right? But the, the thing is that it's always been, to me, it's always been about discovery. It's always been about, yeah, being so freaking curious that it's just, you know, I am more interested in my customers' challenges than anyone else that they ever going to talk to. Yes. And that, that really, that really was my success. And, and that, you know, I was on the top, you know, it, you know just, just to put, validate this concept you know i was one of the top salespeople in every profession every sales job i held um because of that there was no secret there's no there's no slickness there's nothing if somebody came in and studied what i did there was nothing different except that i listened a lot more and that's where that's where dale carnegie's book really really sunk in for me and this is what what made me who i am but then again it it messed me up in a way that i i'm not as comfortable talking about myself and my story and and teaching on stories, you know, I have to be beyond my comfortable because you know I feel like I'm not taking interest enough, and I'm instead educating from from without knowing all the problems, you know, right off the bat. So it's I don't know. This sounds maybe a little messed up, but no, it's it's great. I I, I love that you're you're able to validate that really being curious. I love that you said that. I mean, if we went out into the world and and were five percent more Sherlock Holmes and five percent less, you know, salesperson, uh, we, we'd create a lot more really meaningful business. So I, I love that you do that. And and the sharing your story thing, I get that too. And and you know, the the way that I've kind of gotten around that for myself is I only ever share my experience of life. There has been nothing that I've said to you during this interview that is right. Right. I, I don't do right or wrong. I, I don't do good or bad. I do effective or ineffective or ineffective. Rather, I do productive or unproductive in my own experience. And nobody can argue with my experience of life. They can try it for themselves and it may not work, but I don't need them to agree or disagree with me, believe or not believe in me, trust or not trust in me. I'm just sharing my experience of the world that's worked for me. And I would invite everybody else to try that out for themselves in their own way and see what results they get. Gotcha. Very interesting. So I, I, you know, this is, you know, this is, this has been a great conversation, but I have one more question for you. I have a, yeah. a lot more questions. Maybe we'll do another episode if this one, if this one is popular and people like it, but I'm getting a lot out of it too much, actually. Um, awesome. One more question from Abby. Uh, Abby Wasserman is our director of sales. She's an incredible human being and she loves you with, uh, uh, um, you know, with passion. So, I love her too. She's amazing. <laughs> She's good, right? And so she squeezed this question uh, and made me ask you this, um, and that's like near and dear to her heart, her, her heart and her job. Um, so she says this: Oftentimes, our clients deal with a client loss. Sometimes it can be a loss of a client with just one property. 
sometimes a larger client with multiple properties, up to 100 properties sometimes. This is a factor of both mm. business lo loss and, and growth, both. What tips do you have for dealing with, the with that cycle of business? Yeah, I, I love that. And so all of this to me is a, is a call for more creativity, right? It's, it's, it's such a beautiful thing when we lose a client because it allows us to step back and to ask ourselves what's really going on here um, in a lot of different ways, right? So for example, let's say you lose a client that accounts for a large part of your business, then it's a chance to come back together as a team and ask ourselves, were we focusing on the right mix of, of clients? Right, were we, were we putting too much, too much uh, uh, certainty or too much, too many of our eggs in one basket? Right? How can we get more creative about diversifying the types of people that we serve? Uh, is this client even the type of client we need to be serving? Sometimes a client leaves us because we've outgrown them or they've outgrown us. So how can it be a blessing and a gift? What's what is it that 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 client leaving us is trying to teach us about the way we do our business? See, and, and this is kind of like the core crux shift of customer service, right? When we think of customer service as the people who take the complaint calls and they're like, oh God, this, this tenant's on the phone again or this client's on the phone again. Oh, they're going to say something. They're going to be mad. They're going to be pissed. They're going to complain. If you look at that instead of being a problem and instead see it as a project, that you're getting real-time feedback from the most important people in the world, you're getting real-time feedback from people that actually pay you. You're being paid to get feedback this is like the most beautiful opening for personal and professional growth in the world. So when you lose a client, it's time to sit down to say, A, if it was a blindsided thing, A, how did we not see this coming? Were we not in good enough communication with the client? Did we not know what was going on in their world? Was there something that we missed? Was there something we could have communicated better? The second thing is if a client leaves, I want to have a conversation with them and say, I can absolutely understand that you've chosen to leave and I'd love for you to give us some feedback for future clients of what we could be doing differently to make sure we're serving them to the highest level, right? And then the third thing is, is that person leaving you does not make them dead to you. If this was a client you really enjoyed working with and for whatever reason they felt it was in their best interest to change service providers, stay in contact with them. Stay providing value to them. Not to get them back onto your side, not to get them to switch back to you, but just to show them that you do care and you're thinking about them. And if they do move to this new provider and they thought the grass was greener but something doesn't work out and you're still there providing value even after they've told you, I'm done, I'm not going to pay you anymore, there's a good chance they could become your client again. Ah. So. So there, there's there three just really quick ways. There's a lot more that can go into that, but just you know, in the interest of time, I, we could do a whole other interview on that. Um, <laughs> but 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 I think that's really it. It's like you know, one of my favorite questions in the world that I ask myself and I ask my clients and I, and I have audiences that I speak to. I have them ask this question to themselves: Is anytime something happens for you, and I don't believe things happen to us. I believe they happen for us. So anytime something happens for you, ask yourself the question: What is trying to emerge in this moment? Right. What is what am I being called to step into in this moment based on what happened? So if I lose a client, what am I being called to step into? Am I being called to step into somebody who communicates more effectively, who adds more value, who is 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 more transparent with my team about what's going on that fosters more open communication? If a client is upset about something, what is it that I'm being asked to step into as a leader, as an account manager, as whatever my position is in this moment based on this situation? And when you really tap into that, you can find the greatest opportunity for growth and for business and personal growth in inside that question. Mm. Very good. Well, Jason, uh, you know, this was immensely educational for me. And I'll tell you right now, um, I'll send you an email. Let's schedule a time to talk about your specific coaching, uh, um, uh, I guess, offering uh, system or how do you approach coaching and stuff like that. I'm, I'm really interested to kind of engage on that level. This was, uh, this was a lot <laughs> this was as interesting as I expected. To be honest with you, I expected this to be transformational. <laughs> I didn't expect it to be shallow. But oh, I'm, I'm glad that the expectations were met because, you know, you're, you're an upstanding guy. And I was expecting, you know, an upstanding performance. And, and you know, that's, uh, it was delivered. So I appreciate it on behalf of the audience and myself. Thank you kindly for your time, Jason. And uh, tell people where they can find you or, or pick up your stuff. 
Absolutely. Well, what I want to do for you and, and because, you know, you and I have been speaking a lot and, and I've been speaking with Abby and with Danny, you got you have an incredible team there over the past, you know, several months. And so what I'd love to do for you guys and also for anybody who's a listener and, and a viewer of the, the property management show here is to give you an opportunity to have a free copy of my book, Prison Break, that you referenced. Uh, so I set up a specific Web page just for you guys. If you have and, and please, please don't share this publicly outside of your audience, but just for your audience and, and, and on the blog or whatever you post this, if you go to www.thejasongoldberg.com slash four and half, F-O-U-R, so spelled out four and half, you'll see a link to download either a PDF or a Kindle version of the book for free. Or if you're in the U.S. listening to this, you'll see a link to get a free paperback copy of the book as well. Uh, so you'll see all that on the website just for you guys, just for your listeners. And Alex, I'll send you the link so you'll have the exact link and everything that you can share. And I hope it's of service to you. And uh, and that's really the place where you can follow me and, and keep up with me. Ah, that is so uh, gracious of you. I appreciate it. I did read the book and I would say that I had approached with with skepticism as I do with everything else. Open mind, but skeptically open mind. Yeah. Right? Uh, you know, self-transformation, self-leadership. There's, you know, market full of these, uh, uh, the, the advice. And it's just, you got to connect to it. You got to be open-minded and be skeptical like me, but open your mind to it. Give it a shot. See what you can get out of it. I got out a lot. So, Jason, thank you kindly. And we'll talk to you soon. And I will send you that email and we'll connect and see where we go from there. Absolutely. My pleasure, man. Thanks for having me on. And I'll talk to you soon. 